You know what's really annoying? Everything. Especially that darn rumbling noise that your air conditioning unit has been making for the past hour. It's starting to irritate you so much that your mouth is beginning to water. Wait, what? Oh, right. All of the above can just be explained by your hanger acting up once again. What's for dinner anyway? Meatloaf for the fifth time this week just may push you over the edge of the pie cabinet. Why does every recipe ever seem to yield like 25 servings anyway? Your kitchen has seen some pretty dark times over the past few months and it needs a vacation from you just about as much as you need one from it. Oh God, and now you're thinking about that vacation you just need, period. Turns out all of these months that you've been at home trying to avoid a fever has given you one anyway. Cabin fever. And your number one symptom is both loss of taste and appetite. So today, I invite you to take a break from Mr. Meatloaf. He's too old for you anyway. Come with me around the country and the world as we learn about and experience unique cuisines that will help cure both your wanderlust and your cabin fever as we hop around the globe in the kitchens and pie cabinets of the world. All in good taste, of course. At least think about it, or just chew over the food for thought. Maria Elena, and you are listening to Purple Hood Adventures Podcast. I'm a travel-obsessed entrepreneur working from my home in Ohio to connect travelers from all over the world and to help you make your one days a reality and stop living for the weekend. I seek constant adventure while maintaining an outwardly appearing normal life with a husband, a cat, and a full-time job as a remote speech-language pathologist. I live a real-life accidental comedy show as seen through the eyes of my trusty Mount Zion purple windbreaker as I make my way around the world and live a life of the unordinary but not the extraordinary. Coming to you this week from the staple restaurants of my hometown, Cincinnati, Ohio. What kind of beer do you have, Dad? Ted's Amber. Ted's Amber. That is our. That is the. That's their local brew. The local brew of Montgomery Inn, right? We're at Montgomery Inn, uh, the Boathouse. Yes, which is a staple of Cincinnati. I like to come here on my birthday, even though it's a week after. And um, I have a Taft beer, which is also a local. Taft lived in Cincinnati. Montgomery Inn was a big favorite of Bob Hope and lots of other. Yes, and their ribs. He was in town, and he used to always come here and bring his pals. Yes, and their ribs are the most amazing thing in the entire world. Hence why I love to come here. Do you like their ribs? Are you going to get their ribs? It's my first time since having that Four City Barbecue, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Oh my God, we're not even going to go there. I hate this. I'm not recording you anymore. <laughs> okay, moving on to a different staple restaurant of Cincinnati that Cleveland, Ohio did not attempt to steal and make their own. Skyline Chili. Can I have a four-way with onion cheese mm -hmm. and a lemonade? Yeah. Um, I'll do five-way, please. With uh, I'll do a Mountain Dew. I'm trying to remember exactly what you're doing. What I want is like the chili burrito. Yeah, it just has chili in it. Yep. Do you want? But I like cheese on top of it. I don't want any. I don't want any weird ingredients. It's a regular all chili burrito. Right. Featuring my father, who's always trying to be different, and a trio who loves hot sauce just a little bit too much. Can you have some hot sauce too? No, really. We really like hot sauce. Thank you very much. Especially me and my lap. I just spilled hot sauce all over myself. Like it's all over. It reminds me of what you did. Oh god. It's like a murder scene again. Ready your hot sauce? Come with me today on a food tour of the world. 
Ciao from Italy, favorite podcast listeners. Welcome back to week three of season two of Purple Hood Adventures podcast. Okay, so I probably should not start this episode off on the wrong foot with a lie. I'm not actually in Italy right now, but I have been a few times and I've eaten their delicious cuisine filled with tomato sauce and cheese and bread and then there's delicious red wine. Um, So yeah, it's a good place to go for food. I learned this morning that Italy was rated number one in the world for food. So that's probably not all that surprising. Definitely not as surprising as when we found out last week that Greece was the most stressed out country in the world. Um, By the way, I think I um, said something along the lines of Greece was like the most stressed out country in the country instead of the world. If I mentioned before, I love to say things that are really funky and not realize it until later. So in case you thought that I thought that Greece was in the United States, I don't. It's just my usual wondrous way with words. Um, so yeah, so going back to Italy, I, I did say ciao today. That's hello in Italian because um, our whole theme is restaurants and food. So I did want to talk about um, the most well-known country in the world for food. Uh, if you can picture Italy, by the way, if you've never been, it's got a bunch of streets, that restaurants are lining up and down the streets, kind of spilling out into the, the sidewalk and, you know, lots of people. It's, the whole street, like, smells delicious. Um, so if you've never been to Italy, I highly recommend it. Um, although I don't know what's going on right now with that horrible P and C word going on. I'm not sure how crowded it is or if things are open or what. But um, when all this is over, I highly recommend you go to Italy because it's definitely one of my favorites. All right, we're going to move away from Italy, though. We're going to move on to the rest of the world and our own country. So today's episode is going to be about some of my personal favorite um, entrees and meals and things like that that I've eaten around the country and also the world. Um, I'm going to talk about some that are well-known, but some that maybe you don't know about. Um, I tried to pick countries that were all around the world, so at least a couple on each continent other than Antarctica, of course. Um, Now, I did get some input from my followers and listeners. I put a poll on Instagram. I also have a forum on my site. So some of these came from you guys. Um, I'm going to talk about um, just basically all the things that you can try and hopefully help you um, pause from that 25 servings of leftover meatloaf so you can maybe have some new dinner ideas also, even if you're still quarantining or whatnot. Um, By the way, you can pretty much get almost any ingredient from another country if you go to one of those international grocery stores. Um, I'm from Cincinnati. They have a grocery store there called Jungle Gyms. They have a lot of like international spices and things like that that you can't find anywhere else. So you can definitely make these things at home. I know my husband and I like to make foods from our travels um, when we're missing traveling. So we did that a lot over the quarantine. Also, I'm hosting my own cooking sessions. They're virtual. It's purpleheadadventures.com slash travel dash in dash the dash home. So basically travel in the home. Um, In case you want some company, I do host virtual cooking sessions from around the world. So one week we might make a German dish. One one week might be like an Italian dish. So you can kind of request to if you want to. It's going to be a lot of fun. So definitely recommend that. Um, Okay, so the reason I decided to do this episode this week is because I just was in Cincinnati again, uh, my hometown where I'm from. And they're pretty well known for some staple food items. We were celebrating my birthday again, by the way. It seems like the whole month of August is like birthday month. I don't know if anyone else is like that, but I, they feel like their entire month is like their birthday. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's kind of how I feel, but I'm not the only one, I'm sure. Um, okay, so one of them is Montgomery Inn. We went there for my secondary birthday dinner. They're known for uh, ribs and barbecue sauce. Oh, it's delicious. Uh, they give you little bibs and everything like that. My dad always says that other people need the bibs more than I do because I probably spray barbecue sauce on everybody else except for myself. I'm that messy. It's my first time since having that four city barbecue, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Oh my god, we're not even going to go there. I hate this. Oh yeah, I almost forgot about that. So Cleveland, Ohio, where I live now, has taken it upon themselves to steal Montgomery and barbecue sauce and market it as their own. They call it Forest City Barbecue, and it's the official barbecue sauce of the Cleveland Indians. Nowhere to be found anything about Cincinnati, of course, so kind of makes me mad. Uh, Those same Forest City Barbecue eaters are also hating on my Skyline Chili. So that's another place that we visited this weekend. It's one of my hometown favorites. 
it's a kind of a lover a hate a lot of people can't get past the fact that there is cocoa powder and cinnamon and they're chili they're like oh that sounds gross but they've like never even had it um but us cincinnatians we're kind of used to it and we love it so it's kind of all about your background and what you're used to uh, we also had Bon Bonnery cake. That's a local bakery in Cincinnati. It's like my favorite. Um, don't worry, I didn't make anybody light me candles this time around. I already had my fill on that. Um, last year, we did light 32 candles at that same restaurant. Um, this year, we if you remember last week's episode, we lit 33 of them in a hotel room. Nearly burned down two establishments in two years. So didn't quite do that yet. Maybe next year. Um, also, we talked about the beaches last last weekend, um, or last week, I should say. That was our episode. Um, so now we're past all of that beach body stuff. So we uh, we don't have to wear a swimsuit anymore, so we can eat all we want, right? <laughs> so that's why we're going to talk today about foods around the world. Um, so this is going to be a really fun day today. And you know what's going to make it even more fun? Oh, yes. A game. Yes, yes, you guys. You love my games, don't you? I know you do. Even if you say you don't, I know you love them secretly. So uh, I was inspired this weekend because we played a lot of games. Um, we did play mini golf a couple days ago, and I actually won. That's a very rare event, but I did win, finally. Um, also, uh, so I was trying to think of how to play, you know, how to do like a travel mini golf game or something on this episode that hasn't come to me yet, although I'm sure I'll think of away at some point but um so I got to thinking about the other game that we played this weekend it's called code names I don't know if you've ever heard of that but my husband and I played quite a bit during quarantine I love word games despite my wondrous way with words um he hates them so he's like super annoyed that I make him play all the time so he was happy that I had somebody else to play with aka my dad swashbuckler too what okay that's swashbuckler what I can see one out of that. Swashbuckler yeah. too. Okay. I don't even know what a swashbuckler is. What is a swashbuckler? Like a pirate. Okay. Kind of like a pirate. A swashbuckler. God. Just when you thought you couldn't meet anybody weirder than me, you go and meet somebody related to me, right? Why he didn't just say pirate, by the way, is beyond a mystery. It shall remain so for the remainder of my life. Okay, so let's talk about what this game actually is. Now, the real game is 25 cards with random words on them, and your goal is to make the other person guess what words you have given just one word clues. That can be kind of challenging at times. Today, we're just going to do one at a time, though, and I'm going to give you guys a location or a food item to guess and again I'm only allowed to give you one word and you'll have until the end of the next location or food for thought that we talk about to guess the word so I will say though that if you get every single clue correct this is on the honor system here you can leave me a message or contact me at info at purpleheadadventures.com and you just may get a little surprise for your nerdy geography knowledge I'm all about nerdiness right so are you all ready say pronto you'd say that in Italian that means are you ready say pronto all right, let's start with our clue number one. Okay, this is a clue for a particular country. Okay, you're going to guess a country here. My one word clue, my code name is Inca. Okay, let's move on to our own backyard, starting in my own backyard of Cincinnati, Ohio. We'll start with what I mentioned already, Montgomery and Barbecue. So that is known for its barbecue sauce, its ribs, Saratoga chips, plastic bibs to protect other people when I'm eating, like I mentioned. Skyline Chili, if I didn't really explain what that was before, it's kind of like a sweeter chili. It's uh, definitely not what you're probably used to. It's more of a runny chili also. It's got, I think I mentioned, cocoa powder and cinnamon in it, and often it goes in like a bun or over a hot dog or over a bed of noodles and is covered in basically 30 30 pounds of cheese and sometimes onions and sometimes beans and if you're really local and you really love hot stuff like me an entire bottle of hot sauce so that's kind of what they're known for. Uh, let's talk about their desserts. So I grew up eating Grater's ice cream, which is literally the best ice cream on this planet. The chocolate chips are essentially um, candy bars within themselves. So definitely visit Grater's ice cream if you come to Cincinnati. Okay, I'm going to briefly talk about 12 other places in the country. Obviously, I'm not going to hit upon all of them. But like I said, they either came from my followers who wanted to give their opinion on their favorite food of the country, or they came from myself from my own experiences. 
So let's talk first about Kansas City. Now, Kansas City is also known for their barbecue. My personal favorite was called Fiorella Jackstack's Barbecue. That was my um, definitely my favorite place. By the way, Kansas City is one of my favorite cities in the country. If you've never been, I highly recommend it. My husband and I do like a ballpark tour, so we were there visiting their ballpark at this point. Um, so at this restaurant that I went to, they had things like ribs, pork, beans, mac and cheese, coleslaw, all that good stuff. Also burnt ends. I'm not sure if you guys know what those are. I don't fully understand what they are, but I did take it upon myself to look up the definition. Okay, so here is here's what I got from that. I don't. You tell me if you understand this. Burnt ends are flavorful pieces of meat cut from the point half of a smoked brisket. When brisket muscles are separated, the lean first cut or flat cut is the deep pectoral, while the fattier point, also known as the second cut or fat end or triangular cut, is the superficial pectoral. Pectoral. <laughs> what the heck does that even mean? Okay, if anyone knows what burnt ends are, um, please do me some justice and kind of explain that in English. All right, let's move on to my favorite city of the country. My all-time favorite city, that's New Orleans. If you've never been, definitely recommend their beignets. Uh, Cafe du Monde is what they're known for. Basically, if you go there and have their beignets, you understand that you will be leaving wearing white. Um, I think at one point it got so bad for me that my uh, best friend, that same one that I travel with all the time, she contacted my husband and said that he needed to come pick me up because I was literally covered in powdered sugar. You literally can't even breathe out. It's funny because if you try to like, if you even so much as breathe on it the wrong way, you're literally dusted and covered. It's a good time though. I definitely recommend beignets. Don't eat them in the car though because we did that and it was a rental car. So you do the math. Um, also, they're known for their jambalaya and gumbo and candied pralines. Those are good. Crawfish anything, po'boys, oysters, all sorts of stuff. Um, and if you need something to wash that down with, jester daiquiris are delicious. You can get these little jester glasses and walk around with them. Um, Abita is their local beer, so I like to get their local beer. By the way, there's no open container laws, so it's nice that you can just kind of walk around with your drink. Um, they don't have that many places in the country, but New Orleans is like that, so definitely recommend there. Let's head northeast to the New England area of the country. Now, like I said, this came from both the input of my followers and listeners, as well as myself and my own experiences. I had a lot of you bring up New England and the seafood that you can get there. If you've ever been out that way, it's kind of hard to avoid, assuming you even remotely like seafood. Not sure how my husband would do if there was any sushi. But uh, luckily, we're going to talk about the state of Maryland first. So Maryland, the whole entire state, is known for its steamed crabs and also crab cakes. It's also known for Old Bay seasoning that started there, I think, in Baltimore. Uh, their baseball team, by the way, the Orioles, they have their ballpark named after Old Bay uh, seasoning. So my husband and I bought Old Bay seasoning um, ornament for our Christmas tree, and we did visit the ballpark. We like to visit those ballparks around the country. Like I mentioned before, that was one that we went to in Baltimore. So yeah, crab cakes. Uh, also, Boston, let's move to Massachusetts here. They're known for their clam chowder just about anywhere in Boston. You can get it. Um, I know I had it like every single day when I was there, multiple times. It's, it's delicious. But uh, I should clarify that we're talking New England-style clam chowder here, not Manhattan-style clam chowder. Those are very different things. I don't know why they call it even clam chowder to begin with. It's basically vegetable soup in Manhattan. So um, yeah, we're talking New England-style clam chowder. Moving on southeast now, let's head to South Carolina again. It's known for its she-crab soup. You can find that anywhere like Charleston, Folly Beach, Myrtle Beach, like I talked about before last week. Again, she-crab soup is delicious, but it is very filling, so unless you want to explode, I do highly recommend that you get it just by itself and not like with something else. Uh, headed down to Florida now. I like to visit Florida and visit my husband's grandparents usually every year. And uh, one of my favorite things, I also mentioned this last week, but uh, I love key lime pie. It's literally my favorite pie. I have to eat it every single night no matter how full I am. Dan doesn't eat it. He's not really a dessert person, but I love sugar. So we always get key lime pie from a different place. I will say that the best key lime pie comes from the grocery store Publix. It's as simple as that. So you can just buy your own pie and just have it every night. 
Let's head now to the well-known pizza of our country. And the first one I'm going to talk about is Chicago, which is known for its deep dish pizza. My favorite place is called Pequod's. I think we were in line for like two hours, but the pizza was literally the best thing I ever had. Now it is pretty filling. It's almost as filling as that she crab soup I talked about. Uh, so again, don't uh, just try not to explode. Um, if it tells you anything at all, I can pretty much down a whole pizza if I really wanted to. It's like my favorite food, but I can only eat like one or two pieces of this kind. So definitely um, you'll be having some leftovers if you have, have Chicago pizza. If you head to New York City, now that's a different style of pizza. It's a little bit thinner, so you could probably eat a little bit more of it. Um, there are little pizza places all over New York. I don't have a particular one that I like the best, but I can say that I've been a lot of different places and I like their pizza pretty much all the same. So you can head there for some good old-fashioned pizza. Heading over to the West Coast, my family lives in Oregon, so I wanted to talk about this. My dad's uncle lives in Medford, if you've ever heard of that. Oregon is known for its Marionberry pie. So Marionberry is a type of blackberry that grows in the wild. We can just pretty much pick those right off the trees and eat them. They're delicious, so you can pretty much find this pie all over Oregon. Uh, some good places to go are Willamette Valley or outside Salem. Those are some good places to get this pie. Um, one notorious place to get it is Otis Cafe in Otis, Oregon. That's a well-known particular destination when you go to Oregon. Let's head down south a little bit to San Francisco. If you've ever been there, you've probably had Dungeness crab. You can actually find them all over. I found some uh, shells on the beach, and I don't mean those pretty shells that I make my husband carry around that I talked about last week. I mean like shells from a crab. It's pretty cool. So yes, Dungeness crab in San Francisco. Okay, we need to head just a bit farther north to Alaska now. That's right, we haven't talked about Alaska in a while. If anyone remembers, I'm a speech language pathologist and I actually work remotely with kids in Alaska in little remote villages. Uh, the kids and the people I work with are of the Yupik culture, if you've heard of that, they're natives. So I've learned a lot about the cuisine there and what they eat. Um, they live off the land, many of them, and they eat a lot of fish, uh, lots of caribou, lots of moose. Moose soup and seal soup are pretty popular. Popular. I always hear about those. Uh, halibut, that's a fish. Uh, king salmon. And uh, they also have something called a gudik there. Now, this is like an old style, like Eskimo type ice cream. It used to be made with seal fat back in the day, but now it's just straight up Crisco and sugar and berries. And I had to make it like five times in a day at one point because I was doing these group therapy projects with like five different groups. And you have to mix it with your hands. That's just part of the tradition. Um, I think I had berry juice all over my keyboard, like all over myself, all over my carpet. It wasn't a great scene. Also, I'm pretty sure I was really sick by the end of the day because I had to eat straight Crisco five times in a row. It wasn't the most delicious thing, but then again, I probably didn't make it correctly. So there's that um, disclaimer, but yeah, a gudik. It's like an Eskimo ice cream. If you go anywhere else in Alaska, you can still find a lot of halibut, a lot of uh, moose. You can get king salmon, like I said. Uh, red crab legs, that's another one. Red, red king crab legs, I should say. And uh, all sorts of stuff. So those are that's what they eat in Alaska. Let's head now to Nashville across the country. Nashville is known for its music scene, if you've ever been. And they're also known for their hot chicken, okay? So a popular place to visit is Prince's Hot Chicken Stack. That's one that you can't miss when you go to Nashville. We're up to our final destination for food in the U.S., although it's not really the final one. We'd be here for like three weeks if we talked about all of them. This is just the last one I have time to talk about today. This one came from one of my listeners and followers, and he recommended Houston, Texas. Now, where he enjoyed going was called Papacitos, and it's known for its ceviche, which is a raw fish dish, if you've never had it. It's made with citrus juices and seasoning, and it's very delicious, I must say. I've had it a lot on my travels. Uh, I'm not sure if my husband 
likes it or not. If you remember last week, he had a little freak-out session and some beer spills over eating sushi. He's not a huge fan of raw fish, so I'm not sure how he feels about that one. But yes, Houston, Texas. That's our final one today. Okay, let's talk about our answer to our clue number one in our code names game. Our clue was Inca, if you don't remember, and the answer is Peru. Yes, my husband and I actually hiked the Inca Trail. Now, uh, we're going to talk about that in a minute, but first I must give you your number two clue for the next one. Okay, so this is going to be a referring to a country, a specific country, and your one word clue is Maori. Let's step off the plane to Peru. Like I mentioned, my husband and I hiked the Inca Trail there a couple years ago. Now, it's both his and my personal favorite for international food, so this made the top of the list. So if you've ever been to Peru and you're not one of those people that eats like bear burgers with nothing on them, like not even a bun, or chicken tenders with no sauce, or basically anything you might deem to be bland, and uh, usually those people have about four food items on their inventory. Everybody knows somebody out there like this. I know at least a couple. So assuming you're not one of those people and you've been to Peru, you've probably had ahi de gallina. So ahi de gallina is basically a chicken stew. It's considered a Peruvian comfort food. It's made up of chopped chicken, unique yellow sauce, which is actually made with uh, am, or ahi amarillo peppers. Uh, amarillo is yellow in Spanish. It's made with cream, turmeric, and it's served with rice and boiled yellow potatoes. And it has some really big olives on top of it. So my husband hates olives. I love olives, so I have olive his olives. <laughs> I did just make that up right now. Sorry for the nerd session. Anyway, if you're not into that, you can also eat alpaca meat. It's Alpacas are kind of like llamas, but they're called alpacas and they're really delicious meat. Um, one thing I don't recommend is called cui. It's C-U-Y, which is guinea pig. If you can imagine chewing on basically the sole of a gym shoe, that's kind of like what cui is like. But you should try it form your own opinion. Um, if you have trouble chewing that cui, I highly recommend drinking a pisco sour if you've ever heard of that. It's made with egg whites. I know that sounds gross, but it's actually really delicious. Now I remember that my husband and I, when we got to Peru, we kind of planned on just hanging around the hotel for a couple days. We thought we'd be really altitude sick. So we were like, oh, we won't go out. We won't have any drinks or anything that could disrupt our, our feelings of well-being or whatever. But um, turns out we were both fine and we were drinking those yummy drinks by like night one. I highly recommend them. Also, after we finished hiking in the wilderness, we stayed in Aguas Calientes, which had a lot of this staple food and drinks, so it was nice to have that back in civilization when we got back. Now, I will say that I am going to be hosting a virtual happy hour meetup uh, on my website. It's September 25th at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. You can check that out. We'll probably make a pisco sour and maybe a, a Peruvian food item. So definitely check that out. Did you determine the answer to the last codename clue? The answer was New Zealand. That's right, Maori refers to the Maori people who are the indigenous people of New Zealand. We'll talk about that in a minute after I give you my next codename word. This is a food item that's used as a bowl for serving a popular dish in Cambodia. The code word is milk. People often ask me what my favorite place in the world is, and unlike a lot of people who have difficulty answering this, or it's between a few different places, I have a definitive answer, and that's New Zealand. Uh, if anyone knows me, I actually plan to move here someday and operate my business out of New Zealand. I know that'll be a long, tedious, difficult process, but it's kind of my life goal. Also, I always describe it as straight out of National Geographic. If you can picture one of those heavily filtered images in a magazine, that's kind of what real life looks like there. It's pretty amazing. Also, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit were filmed there, so that kind of sealed the deal with my love for New Zealand, if you know me and how obsessed I am. 
But we're here today to talk about food, okay? So this is gonna be a little bit unique here. I'm gonna talk about a cooking process done by the indigenous natives here known as the Mari. Now that was your clue in case you forgot, that's what the, the natives are called. So when you go to New Zealand, if you really wanna experience the culture, you should definitely attend a Mari Hungi, which is a cultural method of heating, basically cooking your food over heated rocks in a little pit in the ground known as a yumu. So that's the name of their oven. Sort of kind of like if you can imagine a luau in Hawaii, it's New Zealand's version of that. Now, the foundation was based out of the Mary belief that Earth was the giver of all life, so food should be cooked in, you know, in the Earth. So traditionally, the food actually consists of chicken or fish with a root vegetable, but in modern days, um, there's, they can use things like pork and pumpkin and lamb and cabbage, but uh, the more traditional style kind of uses just like chicken and fish and root vegetables. Also kumara, which is a sweet potato. Also, the food is wrapped in a like a leaf basket where it's cooked in. I accidentally ate one of these leaves from the basket in Thailand. We won't go there. That's another story for another time. Um, yes, but that's how they cook in the Mary Hungi. What about second breakfast? And for second breakfast today, we're going to have nothing other than a coconut. That's also the answer to the last codename clue, if you guessed that correctly. Now, uh, we'll describe this in a minute, but uh, coconut is used as a popular serving dish in a popular recipe in Cambodia that I'll describe in a few minutes. But first, I would like to give you your next codename clue. Now, this is something used to describe the appearance of another country, okay? So think about the shapes of countries, if you can pull out that old mental world map. This word is bird-like. What is the country? What's with that coconut? Let's head to Cambodia now, which is one of my favorite places to date. I visited there last summer, have a lot of good friends there. And the coconut I mentioned was used for as like a serving bowl for something called fish amok. It doesn't have to be served in a coconut bowl, but it makes it more fun to eat. It can be served in a, like a banana leaf bowl. Um, so as if I mentioned before, I like to accidentally eat banana leaves in foreign countries, um, but I didn't do that in Cambodia. That was in Thailand. So moving back to fish amok, it's something that I basically ate every night that I was there. It's probably one of my favorite foods ever. It's traditionally made with fish, but you can also get it with chicken or beef as well. And if you think about it, you can think of it as like a stew. It's kind of like a coconut curry based and it's served with rice, just like everything else in Cambodia. Um, now, by the way, I did stay with a family in Cambodia. It was probably my favorite thing I've ever done. And uh, it's also a tour I offer to you guys on my site. But um, they had rice with every dish. It was nice because the family cooked for me, but they have it even at breakfast, of course. And it was kind of a serve-yourself type thing, except uh, that the only thing they didn't serve, or that you didn't serve yourself, was the rice. They would scoop that out for you. And uh, they, let me just tell you, Cambodians love rice. <laughs> so I had about 30 pounds of rice on my plate. I'm not usually used to eating that many carbs in one sitting. However, I felt like I had to eat it all, obviously. It didn't to be rude. So imagine me eating that much rice right before biking all day and like the 100 degree heat. That was a good day for my stomach. Um, that same that same little excursion I had with that family, by the way, another side story that's not food related, but again, it's a, a me story. Um, in the middle of the night, I had to get up and use the bathroom and I walked outside, did the little outhouse thing and it was like pitch black and I didn't have a light with me and I didn't want to disrupt anyone. I was like trying not to make a noise, but I had to like remember where the hole in the ground was and I like peed on myself and oh God, it was like a terrible event. But um, yeah, that's just one of my many stories. So in case you were needing to know that one while we're talking about food. Okay, let's go back to food. Uh, let's talk about beef look luck. I think that's how you say it. It's like a beef stir fry with onions and cucumbers and tomatoes. That was another thing I ate a lot. Prahok, which is a fermented fish paste. Now that sounds really gross, but it's actually really good. Smells terrible, but it's delicious. I had that also at that same family's house. And, um, Sometimes it's served with something, it's kind of like a side item, but um, I remember I had that for dinner and actually they left it out all night. It was like 100 degrees, I think I mentioned, and the next morning um, we were eating it again for breakfast. Well, I didn't have any the next day. I sort of opted out of that one, just seeing how it had been out all night, but they do it all the time. I'm sure it's fine, um, 
but I will say that it sounds gross, smells gross, but it tastes delicious. Just maybe after it's been in the refrigerator, but you know, it doesn't have to be. Um, let's talk about one of my favorite beers here. This isn't food, but they have a beer there called Anchor Beer. It's kind of after Anchor Watt, if you know what that is. And uh, there's just a lot of good food in Cambodia. It was one of my favorite places for food. By the way, if you're looking for dessert, anything with mangoes or bananas will do. Um, so yeah, Cambodia for food. Did you happen to figure out what country bird-like refers to? That would be Ireland. Yeah, so if you look at Ireland on a map, it actually looks like a bird with a beak and it's got little wings. It's like a short, fat little bird. Um, I'm not the only one that thinks that, by the way, so I swear this is an actual thing. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like a bird, so Ireland was the answer. Let's talk about our next clue for the list on our Codenames game. This also describes a country, and the clue word is Giza. So let's head to that big bird-like country in the sky known as Ireland. Now, I have been here to Dublin, but I'd like to return and explore more of the countryside. It's kind of on my bucket list. Uh, if anyone knows me at all, I am Irish. I always talk about my burnt skin, so I can thank my roots in Ireland for that one. Um, also, this is one that came from one of my friends who lives in the Netherlands. I actually met her in Australia. She recommended the Boxties there. You may have heard of them. They're Irish pancakes served with fried grated potatoes, and they began back in the day of the potato famine to make potatoes stretch farther. That's an interesting fact. Some other foods in Ireland include things like Irish stew made with mutton or beef or lamb, coddle, which is made with sausage and bacon and potatoes, oh my. Soda bread is big, shellfish is big, coal cannon, this one sounds like a camera, but it's actually mashed potatoes, kale, or cabbage, and butter. That sounds pretty tasty. By the way, corned beef is not native to Ireland. That's more of an American tradition, made up for St. Patrick's Day. I'm not really sure where that began, but uh, I'm sure green beer is originated in, uh, in Ireland. I'm sure that, that started there, right? It had to have been. Codenames game now, did you? In case you were still pondering over this one, the answer to that Giza clue is Egypt, referring to the pyramids of Giza in Egypt. All right, let's talk about our next codename clue, and that is another word to use to describe a food. Okay, so think of a food for this one, and your codename clue is bunch. All right, enough green beer. Let's head to the pyramids now of Egypt. Now, if you remember anything from my first episode, you remember that although Egypt is known for its pyramids, the country of Sudan actually has more ancient pyramids than Egypt. Fun fact. But we're not here to talk about pyramids today. We're here to talk about foods. Oh, yes. All right, so one of the very popular food items is called fool madames. It's a fava bean dish served with garlic and pita. That sounds delicious. You know how much I like garlic. Uh, it's usually made with a sauce and other vegetables and spices. It sometimes has eggs on the side. It's kind of a typical breakfast dish there in Egypt. Uh, Kashari is another one. It's a mix of brown lentils and macaroni noodles served with a spicy matato sauce. Uh, I'm going to try to say this one correctly. Mulukia. Mulukia. Basically, it's a soup with mallow leaves. It's characterized by being really dark green and it's pretty viscous. Um, you usually eat it with rabbit or lamb meat, and at one point it was actually banned in the 11th century because it was deemed to be too unappetizing. That's an interesting fact for you. My last food item to talk about in Egypt is called tamaya. It's also another fava bean dish. It's kind of like a falafel. Fava bean seems to be their favorite there. So definitely head to Egypt for some good old beans and garlic and leaves. Codenames game that you guys definitely aren't tired of yet, right? 
So the word was bunch. We were looking for the answers of bananas or plantains. I'll take either one. They're pretty much the same food. They just are a little bit different shapes. Plantains are just a bit tastier in my opinion, but we'll talk about that in a minute. So I'm going to give you guys your next code word clue first. All right, this is another one that refers to a country. Okay, so you're going to try to guess the country. The code name is maple. So I'm sure you're guessing why I made you guess plantain on that last one. So the answer is because we're headed to Costa Rica next. Now, if you remember, that's the last international place I managed to get to this year. And uh, I got back like the day before everything shut down. So um, yeah, I made it back just in time. It's one of my favorite places ever. It's very magical there. I wrote an entire blog on Costa Rica. But let's talk about the food. The first and foremost is casado. I had that every day, if not twice a day. Cassado Casado actually means married man, and there's a couple different interpretations as to why it's called that. Now, the first of which is that when you're married, you eat this at home, you're a married man, you always eat casado, I guess. I don't know, it's a, like a home food. Uh, the other interpretation is that there's certain food items that are staple to this dish, and therefore the thought is that the foods are married to one another, if you want to think of it that way. So it's open to interpretation. It's kind of an interesting food, but those staple food items I mentioned are rice, beans, and fried plantains, which is why I made you guess plantains. Um, you can also get it with like fish or chicken or beef. You can pick your protein. It's served with different types of vegetables, salad mix. Um, I like to pour hot sauce on it. There's this particular hot sauce called Lozano sauce. It's a green hot sauce. I actually bought some to bring back with me. I checked my first bag and I was gonna have to probably throw it away in security uh, in my, uh, my layover when I was gonna be flying on another plane. But uh, luckily for me, I missed my flight, like I mentioned before, on my favorite budget airline. And uh, I ended up taking an Amtrak instead, so I got to keep my bottle of hot sauce. <laughs> So something good did come out of that, right? But yeah, cassado is pretty much the most amazing thing you'll ever eat. And I swear every time you eat it, it gets better and better. So like literally the last time I had it was probably the best I've ever had. Also, you can get it at these little shops called soda shops. I don't know why they're called that, but their little uh, shops are all over Costa Rica. A lot of locals go there. You can find a lot of local cuisine, but they have casado at probably pretty much all of those. Uh, another staple food is gallo pinto, which is basically rice and beans. You can eat it for breakfast. I had rice and beans for breakfast just about every day. By the way, gallo pinto means, um, I guess it's gallo pinto. I don't know, gallo pinto, gallo pinto? I guess it's gallo pinto, but it means painted rooster. Um, also chifrijo, which is uh, another local dish. It's a bowl of white rice and beans and spices. And uh, chicharron, I guess that's how you say it, chicharron, chicharrona. Pork, it's a type of pork, and uh, tortilla chips. So if you really like this type of food, definitely Costa Rica is the place to go. By the way, the beer's kind of funky. It's uh, called Imperial. Yeah, that's just the name of the brand, Imperial. You would think that's a style, but no, it's a brand. And also Bavaria. I don't know why Bavaria. I think of Germany when I hear of that. But yeah, those are two common beers in Costa Rica. By the way, it is Gallo Pinto. I looked it up just to be sure. I thought it was. I don't know why I was second guessing myself. Anyway, on to our next code name answer, and that is Canada. So when you were thinking about that maple leaf, think about the Canadian flag. It has a maple leaf on it. It's kind of known for its maple trees. All right, let's talk about our next clue. This one is another food item, so think of a food item. And the one word clue is stringy. Back over to North America, eh? Yes, let's head to Canada next. Now, I have a really good friend in Canada that I went to grad school with. Also, I was supposed to go back to Canada this summer to Banff, if anyone has ever been. We were going to go to the Canadian Rockies, but uh, it's not really feasible this year since the borders are closed, so I do hope I can get there at some point. But let's talk about their food. The first is poutine, which most of you know what it is. Now, I'm not going to lie. I actually didn't really know what this was until like five years ago. Um, I'm also going to say another blasphemy in the statement here. I don't love fries. I know that's like very uncommon. Then again, I'm pretty uncommon. But uh, this is for all you normal people out there that do like fries. Now, these are particularly fries that are covered in cheese, curds, and gravy. So I guess that makes them a little bit better. They originated in Quebec, if you're curious. 
Uh, let's head to no Nova Scotia next. They're known for their lobster rolls. Now, I do like lobster rolls. Um, Bannock, which is a, uh, a bread dish, which was once eaten by the Aborigines there, and uh, it was more like a simple bread back then. Now it's Nowadays, it's more like a dense and baked or fried kind of bread. Butter tarts is another well-known one in Canada, and also Canadian bacon. Most of us have had that on our pizza at some point. But unlike American bacon, which is made from a pig's belly, this is more of a lean cut of pork loin. So I actually like Canadian bacon a little better than regular bacon. I know another blasphemous statement. I do actually like bacon for the record. I just like Canadian bacon slightly more. Okay, I'm gonna stop talking before you guys hate me forever. Also, uh, my husband's dad loves Labatt beer. He's obsessed with it, and that came from Canada. So yeah, heading to Canada for our local cuisine next. Did you guess the thingy that was stringy? If you guessed a cheese, you got it right. That was our answer to the last code name clue. Uh, I mean, have you ever had string cheese? It's not too hard to decipher. By the way, I still eat string cheese the way it's supposed to be eaten, where you like pull off the pieces one by one. I don't understand people that like bite the string cheese. It's really not how it's supposed to be done. All right, we're not gonna talk about cheese. We'll talk about that in a minute. I'm gonna give you your next clue. So this is going to be another continent that we're headed to next, okay? So I want you to guess what the country is okay and uh, my one word clue this is a little bit harder Uluru Speaking of cheese, I bet you couldn't have guessed that we're headed to Switzerland next. This is my favorite European country ever, for the record. I stayed in Interlaken when I was there, got the chance to go paragliding over the Alps. That was literally probably one of my favorite things I've ever done. Um, but let's talk about the food. Now, the first one I want to talk about is not a traditional Swiss item, but it was recommended to me by one of my listeners. Actually, the same guy that recommended the ceviche in Houston. He also recommend, recommended tiramisu in Switzerland. Now, I know that's an Italian dessert, but it's apparently really good in Switzerland also. It's uh, traditionally, if you've never had it, a coffee-flavored cake with layered whipped mixtures and chocolate. It's pretty good. It's all right, actually. It's, it's good, but it's not my favorite, but a lot of people really like it. Anyway, it's pretty good in Switzerland. Um, Swiss fondue, I'm pretty sure you guys have probably heard of that. That's kind of where fondue originated. If you don't know what fondue is, it's a big pool of cheese, but it has other things in it like wine or garlic or spices and things. Really delicious. Um, traditionally in Switzerland, you dip bread chunks into it, but here in the US, sometimes people use things like apples and chips and vegetables, things like that. The next food item I'm gonna talk about is Rusty. It's the Valisante style, which is a kind of like a boxy if you think about that. It's fried potato pancakes and they're often topped with an egg or cheese, often eaten as like a breakfast item there in Switzerland. Raclette, which is more of a winter item. It's melted cheese with jacket potatoes called Schwelti. Gosh, you guys, this is like a real challenge for my uh, pronunciations here. You guys all know how great at those I am. Uh, anyway, you have it with onions and pickled fruit. Yes, rucklet. Uh, another one is, uh, oh gosh, here we go on my pronunciations. Appler, oh gosh, this reminds me of a video I made back in uh, Cinco, Cinco de Mayo. Um, this one's called Appler Migronen, I guess. Appler Migronen, which is uh, gratin potatoes, macaroni, cheese, um, cream, onions. Sounds like a good mixture. So basically, if you eat anything with cheese or potatoes or macaroni, you could probably find it in Switzerland. Oh boy, cheese! So did you think things through about Uluru? <laughs> almost rhymed. Sorry guys, it's been a long episode. Um, the answer to Uluru is Australia. That was the country I was talking about. Uluru is that big notorious red rock in the middle of the country. I visited there myself actually, it's pretty great. So I highly recommend you go during the sunset, also sunrise. All right, moving on from rocks, we're moving on to something else now, your next clue. Now, this is another country we're gonna be referring to, so you're gonna guess the country. And your clue is Arabica. And we're not.
now headed to not the Wizard of Oz, but the country of Oz. That's right, we're going to Australia next. Now, I had a dream about visiting Australia my entire life, and I mean like a goal, not like a dream in my sleep. But um, I finally made it there in 2017. I spent a couple months there through the summer. Uh, some foods that they're known for are fish and chips. Now, I kept forgetting that chips referred to french fries, and I kept ordering chips at restaurants and getting french fries, and if you remember, I'm not a huge fan of those, so you can imagine my disappointment, but fish and chips, those are pretty big. They're also pretty big in England. Meat pies, those are interesting. I had those for breakfast a lot. Vegemite, I'm sure you've heard of that. You either love it or you hate it. I will say I thought it was the most disgusting thing I ever had the first time I had it, but every time, it's kind of like asado, every time I had it, I liked it a little bit more, and then I finally started loving it. Uh, at one point, I tried to order breakfast, and I saw phantom peanut butter on a sign. I thought I said, I thought it said bread and peanut butter, but it actually only said bread and butter. I was just missing peanut butter so much that I uh, fantasized that it said peanut butter. Anyway, they said, sorry ma'am, we don't have any peanut butter, but we do have Vegemite. So she gave me a couple packs of Vegemite. I brought them back to the States with me and I used them at home when I was missing Australia and then I ended up buying more Vegemite here. So it's kind of addicting. It's kind of got a weird flavor, but it's very salty if you like salt. Uh, okay, let's talk about kangaroo burgers. Now, I actually don't care for burgers much either. Gosh, you guys are going to really hate me. Um, yeah, I know. What kind of American am I? I don't like burgers and fries. Um, that's okay. I'm usually eating like cheesecakes off in the corner or something like that. Um, okay, so let's talk about those burgers in, uh, in Australia. Kangaroo burgers, I do love those. So even though I don't love cow burgers, I love kangaroo burgers. Kangaroo meat's pretty lean, it's pretty delicious. Um, but don't eat the jerky. Kangaroo jerky is no bueno, not very good. Um, but you can try it for yourself if you're really curious. Tim Tams, these are these little chocolate cookie type things. I'm not actually sure they're referred to as cookies or kind of like a little cookie thing, but they're little chocolate sort of candy bar cookie things. I guess they're cookies. Um, anyway, on my last day in Australia, I hoarded them and I brought or I bought like 20 packs and had to carry them on the plane and I tried to make them last for like a year and then I discovered that they sold them like at Target. So yeah, there's that little bit of disappointment there. Also chicken parmigiana. It's uh, kind of like chicken parmesan. It's just a little bit different. It's kind of the Australian version of it. So those are the cuisines in Australia. Did you come up with an answer to my Arabica clue? Our code word was Colombia. That's right. That's uh, the country that is known for the growth of Arabica beans, and they're pretty well known for their strong coffee. It's pretty delicious, I must say. Here's your next code word, okay? So this is gonna be talking about a food again, so your goal is to guess a particular type of food. After some hard ones, I'm gonna give you a little bit of an easier one. Your code word is? Broth. We head now to Colombia in South America. Now I must say I have a good friend from here. She's a native. She now lives in Virginia. And uh, she's also a fellow Purple Hood Adventures member. And um, so she invited me and my husband to come visit her in Richmond, Virginia. And she took us to all these little staple Colombian restaurants while we were there. And I actually had to use my Spanish right in the middle of Richmond, Virginia, something you would never expect. But uh, it was all locals there. It was kind of cool. It was a little hot spot for people from Colombia in the area. So let's talk about one of the staple dishes there. It's called bendeja paisa, which is one of their, I guess that's their national dish. It's made with red beans, white rice, chicharron, um, carne en polvo, um, chorizo, avocado, plantains again, fried eggs, arepas. I'll explain what those are in a minute. Um, let me just say that this is probably the most, the heaviest dish I've ever eaten. It was pretty tasty, but in a nutshell, every meat you could possibly think of, plus beans, plus a gallon of rice. I'm sure the Cambodians would love this one too. Um, it's, that's basically what this dish is. Um, I swear it probably weighed about 30 pounds. Um, this is one of those dishes that made me want to explode, but it was very delicious. I had leftovers for about three weeks. Um, 
probably not as many as that meatloaf, though. All right, let's talk about those arepas, which are basically just doughy pancakes. They're pretty tasty. I love bread. Um, empanadas, I'm sure you've heard of those. They can be filled with sweet or savory fillings, but uh, traditionally, if you're going to eat it as a meal, I had this at that restaurant, too, but it's a stuffed pastry filled with meat, cheese, and rice, if you can think of a traditional version. Fritanga, which is a huge platter, another huge platter. I think they like to eat in Colombia. I don't know how they stay so thin, but it's a huge platter of grilled meat and plantains. They love their plantains also. So yes, Colombia cuisine. Or soup from my last code name broth. Uh, I'm not really sure how else to describe soup in one word, so hopefully you have a little renewed confidence if you weren't doing so well, but uh, I'm sorry to do this to you. I like to mix in a few hard things once in a while, so I hope you're all brushed up and polished on your history knowledge. That's right, you history buffs. Okay, this next code word is going to be referring to a country name again, so think of your countries, and your code word is Lucy. Did you figure out why I made you think of soup on that last question? Well, that's because we're headed to Thailand. Um, if you guys know me, my husband and I visited Thailand last year, and uh, we enjoyed it a lot. It was one of our favorite places. I feel like I say that all the time, by the way. I miss just like everywhere I go, although New Zealand really is still my absolute favorite. But uh, Tom Yum Soup was the number one thing that we had there. It's a very brothy soup, which is kind of where that clue came from. It's more like a hot and sour soup cooked with shrimp and lemongrass and spices and chili peppers and and basically everything that you can think of that's absolutely delicious. Pad Thai, have you ever heard of that? I'm sure you have if you've ever been to a Thai restaurant. It's pretty well known. It's kind of like a Thai-style fried noodle dish. Um, Santum, that's a spicy green papaya salad. That's pretty well known there. Um, ta oh gosh, here comes another one of those pronunciations. Tom Kakai, um, it's a chicken coconut soup. They love their soups there. Made with coconut milk. Uh, dessert. Oh, okay, so we actually didn't have this until we were in the airport getting ready to fly to Bali, but it's a mango sticky rice. So again, more rice. You'll find that a lot in Southeast Asia, but mangoes and rice, you can't go wrong with that, right? So that's their dessert. All right, I'll be impressed if you got this last code name clue. If you guessed Ethiopia, you are correct. Oh man, you guys, yes, Ethiopia. So if you remember back to school years, um, I know that was probably a while ago, you might remember that Lucy was the most complete skeleton of the earliest human ancestors, and it was found in the country of Ethiopia. So that's where that came from. And we'll talk about Ethiopia here in a minute. All right, but I'm going to give you your last final clue for your code name game. Oh man, I know you guys are getting sad. This is the last one. So you gotta think hard and hard and long about this one. So your code name is going to refer to another country again, okay? Now, our word is one. Okay, so it's a country. I want you to figure out what it is based on my word one. Let's head now to Eastern Africa and the country of Ethiopia. Ethiopia is known for its spices and vegetables, both of which I love. I'd probably love it there. Uh, if anyone knows, I probably should have a stomach ulcer by now because of all the spices I've ingested over my 33 years of living. Uh, I'm first going to talk about the side item called injera. It's a sourdough flatbread. Also, tibs. Tibs are sautéed chunks of spicy meat, and I do mean spicy, and they're served with injeras, just like I talked about before, that little sour, sourdough flatbread side item. Um, shira, which is a chickpea and bean stew that Ethiopians often eat during their fasting days. It's usually a favorite. Uh, kitfo, it's a beef tartar. So if you've never had that, it's basically raw beef. So Ethiopia cuisine. Oh, 
Okay, here's our last answer of our code names game. I feel kind of nervous. Um, if you've made it this entire way, I can't wait to talk to you. Remember, you can email me at info at purpleheadadventures.com for a little surprise. So that also includes this answer, by the way. So if you got this one correct, you uh, definitely should contact me. So we got to get this one right first, though, right? Okay, our clue was the word one. Okay, the answer is... Italy. Okay, now let me explain this one. I know it's kind of far-fetched, but then again, I'm far-fetched, so you should know that by now. Um, so one is basically number one. Italy's number one on my list for cuisine of the world. It also won against all of the other countries, so I'm talking two types of one here, O-N-E and W-O-N. Uh-huh, okay. So if you got that right, don't forget to contact me. If you didn't, better luck next time learning my randomness. Okay, let's talk about our capital now because I'm not going to give you any more clues because we're all done. So I won't leave you high and dry again. I'm going to give you the capital of Italy in case you didn't know that. It's Rome. Rome is the capital of Italy. So let's talk about that number one country that made the top of the list and won over the other countries for cuisine. Italy, it's known for its pizza, duh, obviously that's a staple. Spaghetti carbonara, which is noodles, eggs, bacon, Parmesan cheese, that's pretty much everything delicious with noodles. Risotto, I'm sure you've heard of that, it includes rice and broth and it's a dish with butter and meat and vegetables and everything else tasty again. Lasagna, they love their noodles there. Uh, Florentina steak, it's from Tuscany, the Tuscany region. Basically everything that you can think of in Italy that has noodles or cheese or sauce or ends in an I or an ini or an oli or an ani. Basically, it ends in an I, like I said. Um, as far as drinks go, wine, of course, is well known in Italy. Uh, Peroni beer, also, that's a staple. If you've probably had that around the US, I'm sure you've probably had it before. If, you're, if you've ever been to an Italian restaurant, you drink beer. Um, as far as dessert goes, that tiramisu that we talked about earlier that you can also get in Switzerland, it actually originated in Italy. It's known as an Italian dessert. Gelato, that's a good one. Gelato is like ice cream, kind of. I don't really know how to tell the difference. I'm sure some of you can, but yeah. So Italy, that's number one for cuisine. I wouldn't want to spend there too long there or else I'd probably come back 50,000 pounds heavier, but uh, it's a great place to visit. I have a confession to make. I don't exactly have the best track record with my clues and code names. Animal too. Bass. That's what I said too. Bass. No, no, no. Animal so that's it. So now you're now you're done. That's, that's what it. I'll say that too. So now you're done. What's a fish? Now Joe, you get one more turn. I know, but now Joe, you get an opportunity. No more, no more, no more hints. Well, ant. Okay. No. So is, is ant one or not? That's no, not one. Ant's not, also not one. No, because. <laughs> so what the hell is animal then? <laughs> We okay. got two animals, a bass, I which understand, is a fish, and an ant. So, okay. so what's animal? What's animal then? The answers were stable and scratch, okay, because... What? Okay, <laughs> listen. Animals? Okay, but listen, I tried to make you guys sleep the first time because it was dream and horses sleep in stables. That's the only thing I could make. I understand that it's a bad game, but so then you so guessed this, and I was afraid you would guess it since this is on here, and you would like somehow not think of that as being in the game. You said but animals. I know, that but... That was a terrible hint, Terps. I Okay, stable right, maybe that was a bad game. But to be fair, my code name's playing skills is likely genetic. What do pirates like to do? No, so you can't do yeah, that. Yeah, you <laughs> can't do that. You can't do that. It's the only verb on there. So now, so, so if now, you hadn't said what do they like to do, there's so, no other so, verbs so, so, on there. So now what you do is you take, you take this here, and you make the arrow point to her, meaning she guessed scratch. Well, I thought swashbuckler. Saloon would have not been. Why do you say pirate? Huh? Why do you say pirate? Well, because... Because oh, nothing's ever simple for him. <laughs> yeah, but the goal is to get me to answer that simple No wonder Dan won't play with me anymore. I don't know about this game. It's fine. We'll do one more round. We'll, just, <laughs> we'll, we'll flip him over so that it's a different one. I know, I know. I left out so many tasty countries, right? Uh, well, I'll just quickly name some honorable mentions because it's me and I can never stop talking. France, of course. I know I didn't talk about that one, but it's known for its crepes and bourbonese and croissants and about 8 million other things up there. Uh, Germany is known for its bratwurst and currywurst and schnitzel and milk with chocolate. I think I ate like 10 bars of that a day when I studied there. I'm surprised I didn't gain like 30 pounds. Um, 
India is known for its chicken makani, its naan bread, balak veneer, and masala. Uh, Iceland is known for its hot dogs. I actually had one in the airport. I hope to go back there and have one for real outside of the airport. Bali, Indonesia is known for its beef rendang, nasi goreng, also babi guling. Uh, we had that last summer when we visited there. Only got sick once, that's okay. Uh, Japan is known for its sushi. I'm sure my husband would love there, right? Uh, tempura, unagi, those are other things that Japan is known for. Argentina, known for its empanadas. Spain, of course, can't forget that one, known for its paella. My mom used to make a really good version of that. Gazpacho, I think that's like cold soup or something like that, isn't it? I think I've had it before. Uh, is anyone else hungry now? My air conditioning unit is beginning to rumble again. I don't know about yours. So as you see, there is much more out there than that 25 servings of old meatloaf. Now, hopefully you have a renewed sense of taste. Your cabin fever and wanderlust is reduced, let's hope. And uh, you're gonna go eat something right now. Hopefully one of these things on this list. So hopefully today, by tasting the flavors of the world and hearing my mispronunciations of the words, you were able to take that much-needed comical break and have a fulfilling vacation. May you be able to step back up on that pie cabinet and lose that toxic relationship with the five-week-old Mr. Meatloaf who's been trying to poison you with botulism since March. May your culinary trip around the globe today be the vacation that you and your kitchen needed and the cure for your cabin fever and wanderlust. May your air conditioning unit and hangar be forever silenced by the spices of Ethiopia, the stringiness of Switzerland, the eeniness of Italy, the potatoes of Ireland, the oven pits of New Zealand, the household pet delicacies of Peru, the interesting aromas of Cambodia, the mediocre fried sticks of Canada, the food coma of Colombia, the controversial bread spreads of Australia, the wedlocked foods of Costa Rica, the banned green soups of Egypt, the newly edible plants of Thailand, the powdered sugar-coated clothing of New Orleans, the barbecue sauce in its rightful city's origin, and a combination of all of these things right in your own kitchen where biting off more than you can chew isn't necessarily a bad thing. So until next time, don't forget to live life on the tasty side. And remember, don't do anything I wouldn't do, of course, unless it's wear hot sauce and powdered sugar on your lap, have an accident in the dark at an outhouse in Cambodia, talk about this accident while talking about food, ingest unknown plants, amuse yourself with your own terrible rhymes, see mirages of peanut butter, or blast others with barbecue sauce. But everything else, don't do anything I wouldn't do, if that makes sense. See you next time. Swashbuckler too. What? Okay, that's... Swashbuckler, what? This is Marie Elena, and you've been listening to Purple Hood Adventures Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on our journeys today. If you think you'd like to hear more and you want to stay updated on the whereabouts of an accident-prone purple windbreaker, or if you just like to live the life of adventure through your earbuds, or maybe you enjoy restraining having milk coming out of your nose buds every week, don't forget to subscribe to my channel. Otherwise, you can check me out on my website at purplehoodadventures.com. Or you can check me out on Facebook slash Purplehead Adventures, Instagram, or whatever other 8 million forms of social media you might use. Until then, stay tacky, San Francisco, and remember, life is not a book to be read, but a story to be told. So get out there. And remember, always, hood down and head out. <laughs>